0: you kicking it with Kendrick, mm. we loving that acting.
1: You're kicking it with Kendrick, but not that Kendrick. Nah, nah. You're kicking it with Kendrick, yeah, Twilight gets it. Woo. You're kicking it with Kendrick, pitch perfect singing. Mm. Oh, yeah, she's on the go. How many actors got that glow? Singing and acting, I don't know, not even Leo's got that flow. Musicals and movies more, all the talents out the door. We're seeing what she's got in store, yeah, and it's time to stop the show hello everyone welcome back to another episode of kicking it with kendrick we are back to uh talk to about another anna kendrick movie of course i mean of course as always i'm with jeff
2: hello i'm jeff
1: we are also with a returning guest for i think the first time ever right yeah this is now our
2: first ever returning guest
3: yeah especially back to back this uh welcome back ben hi thank you so much for having me back again
2: how does Powerful. it feel to be our very first ever returning guest, Ben?
3: I am honored. I am honored. I would say that um, I had such a great experience talking with you guys last time, and I felt like I've, I've been talking nonstop about <laughs> for 20 minutes, but I am ac- actually very excited because I get to talk about one of the shows that has been very close to my heart and has been very important for my formative years, which is the last five years.
2: Yeah, I guess. Why don't we launch into it the last five years? We'll talk about the movie a little bit down the road. This is a play that's told in a very unconventional way. It's uh, only got two actors in it. Yeah. And it's composed with maybe I would say one and a half exceptions, entirely of solo numbers. It's very different in a lot of ways from the last musical we talked about Into the Woods. And it's never been on Broadway. It's very short. There's a lot of like interesting stuff about this. I feel like I'm just kind of listing off trivia facts. Ben, you know this play very well. <laughs> Do you want to very briefly describe it? Or yep. Or introduce it?
3: So The Last Five Years is about, uh, it's a two-person musical that chronicles the relationship of Jamie, who is an up-and-coming writer, and Kathy, who is a struggling actress, over the course of five years which is um, the length of their relationship. But the interesting structure and the unconventional structure that Jeff has mentioned a little bit is that the story is told by two point of view, basically almost as a monologue style, but Jamie's point of view is, is told chronologically. So from their start of the relationship to the end of the relationship, while Kathy's POV is like told backwards. And we start with her on the last day of the relationship, and then we go backwards. So it's like I would always describe it as an X shaped structure because both of the characters in the original stage show do not meet each other in their solo numbers. They only meet once where they're in the same exact moment, which is in the midpoint where they decided to go to their a very important step, which we'll tell you later. But yeah, so they go on their separate ways, one's backwards, one forward, and then They meet in the middle, and then they all go on their separate ways again.
2: I knew that going in, and I think the thing that still confused me is that once they meet in the middle, they don't stop. Like, Jamie is being told chronologically forwards, he goes from the beginning of the relationship to the end of the relationship. When they meet in the middle, he doesn't, like, stop and go back or anything. He just keeps going. Yep. And Kathy starts at the end of the relationship, and goes all the way back. The very last song of this uh, of this show, and sorry, minor spoilers, comes after chronologically after their very first date because Kathy keeps going. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, that was really interesting. Like it fully committed to that story structure, and you know it's unconventional already. Uh, it's I thought it was really cool that you know it fully committed to that.
3: One of the things that um made the last five years so popular is the show is structured in the okay, he said, she said way kind of way. Because mm-hmm. you when you see you kind of get bits and pieces of their relationship and your mind always goes like, hmm, I wonder who instigated this downfall of the relationship. Like who mm-hmm. and, and then and then every single person who watched the show has a team that they rooted for. But at the same time, I feel like Jason Robert Brown did a very good job. Um, fleshing out the intricacies and in their thoughts on both sides because mm-hmm. the last five years is inspired by his first failed marriage to Theresa O'Neill. So mm-hmm. a lot of the show that you see is based on real life. And at one point when they did the show, it get too real. And Jason Robert Brown, the composer and the lyricist of this musical, got sued by his ex-wife, Uh, Due to him breaking an NDA. And the show, especially the lyrics of one particular song, is too close to their relationship.
2: Whoa. (laughs) I did notice, though, that as part of the lawsuit, any references in the show, explicit references to Kathy being an Irish Catholic. Yeah. Were supposed to be removed. And I guess the explicit references were removed. But... Even if you don't know that Kathy is Irish Catholic, it is a little suspect that a lot of her songs include like little twinges of Irish jigs and river dance style music. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, they didn't hide it that well.
3: the The reason why Jason Robert Brown got sued because the very first song that Jamie sings in the old version, <laughs> the whole song is just about her being Irish Catholic and how he gets like... <laughs> turned on by that and Mm -hmm. like the whole song Uh, it's such a fun song to perform though but yeah it's very it's very graphic not in a nude or sexual kind of way but it's it paints a picture of this girl so clearly which is like i understand why he got sued and then he took he changed it to the song where he sings in this movie and in all the versions now which is called chicks a goddess but yeah a lot of the irish and river dance rhythms and Melodies are hidden throughout the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you know where to look.
2: Clearly a lot of Jason Robert Brown went into this movie. So, or not movie, into this show. You know a lot about the background of Jason Robert Brown. Can you can you enlighten us there?
3: Yes. So Jason Robert Brown is probably one of the most prolific musical theater writers. His individual songs are so, so famous. But interestingly, he never have a Broadway hit show. He never has a commercial hit shows on Broadway. All of his shows close very prematurely on Broadway. He only has like 150 performances max in one show.
2: I'm interested then, you said he's one of the most popular, you did say that he was one of the most popular contemporary Broadway writers. But then how can that be true if he also doesn't have hits on Broadway? Like what metric are we using then?
3: Because one of the most interesting and one of the most like gifted things that the musical theater gods have given us is the cast recording. The last five years is probably his most well-known shows because of that. Because it opened in 2002 off-Broadway, but it closed very soon. I think it only played for like from March to May. Yeah, but then he got a record deal to record the album. And since then... The album was so popular among like musical theater people, especially like, up-and-coming performers. Like Every single one wanted to sing this score because it's such a bop. Uh, and also, he also released his show into MTI, which is an amateur rights company. Like You can actually purchase the rights to do it in your own regional or in your own production. And with those two, the cast recording and the license kept the show alive for so 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 many years and it it has been like if you ask a lot of these young or like these a-list performers they would probably have done the last five years somewhere in the in the states
2: i think it's also notable uh if you look at the wikipedia of this show specifically the number of official productions for this is mind-boggling. Like, it's never been on Broadway, but it's been off-Broadway, it's had an off-Broadway revival, it's been to Chicago, it's been to Toronto, it's been to Berlin, it's been to London, it's been everywhere, basically. I
3: I would say this, and this is a fun fact that a lot of people don't know. The difference between an off-Broadway theater and a Broadway theater is not the size, or not the quality of the show, it's just the number of seats. Like, If you are a Broadway show, that means the theater that you perform in has 500 seats and more, but an off-Broadway show only has 250 to 499 seats. And the theater that they perform the last five years on Broadway was actually like next to Washington Square Park, and it's not very far from the Broadway district. So it's all just about terminology. So even though it hasn't been on Broadway, it's just that it's not on a big enough theater to be qualified as a Broadway show. And at the same time, their latest revival, 2013, was at the Second Stage Theater, which is where Dear Van Hansen premiered. And the tickets are so hard to come by. Like it's sold out like at that instant. And it's so expensive. Like you have to pay like two to $300 to get into that theater to watch the last five years production.
2: So this is maybe a bit of a tangent, but I did have a follow up question because I don't fully understand the musical world but I think I have ideas on a few specific things. Uh-huh. The Tonys only recognize Broadway musicals, correct? You have to be a Broadway musical to get a yep. Tony? Yep. However, I would say that the last 5 years cuz I I watched one pro shot of the uh, of the original for this. It kind of has to be in a very small theater. Like if y- it would be very it wouldn't be difficult to do this with more seats, but it would kind of be not doing it justice because like, it's a very small show. Everyone should be able to see this.
3: Yep. To be fair, there is a Broadway theater that is not too big that I think can work. But I think in terms of the um, production-wise and everything, it, they might get more profit from, from being in an off-Broadway show, more demand, less production cost.
2: I think also stylistically, it just benefits from being in a small theater like yeah. that.
3: Yeah, because you want to get up close to both of their perspective.
2: So uh, here's my question. Do you think that it's fair that something like this cannot get recognition at the Tonys at all?
3: This is a very good question. I feel like the Tonys are a great metric or a great like su- success counter but i think in shows like the last five years i think that the reputation of the show exceeds what the tony award has to offer you know because like the cast Mm -hmm. recording and the legacy behind it is now a proven fact that the show actually stood the test of time and it and it's like the show is round enough for it to be revisited in different different generations of people in different different settings of time the latest production of the last five years is at the west end right now i would love for it to win the tonys if it became a broadway show but i think right now the the legacy that they have far exceeds what the tony awards would be offering for them you know it was even translated in my language in thailand in thai oh wow yeah when i speak about this show i speak about it with a lot of heart and soul because I, I i had the privilege to perform this myself i played jamie as my graduation project so so i not only know the show by heart but i have a personal connection to it that's why i feel like i would love for it to win the tony's but i i'm okay with the legacy that they have gotten me it made me fall in love with musical theater like it's that important for me
2: yeah, I guess I'm curious. Did you perform this in Thai or in English? In English, when you performed it. Oh, nice.
3: Okay. We did Thai subtitle translations, and we did time the production close to the movie. So mm-hmm. I think I think the movie is coming out a bit after our production. But the lady who did the Thai translations was so nice. They lended us the, her translations, and we fixed some of the lines, uh, so that it because the movie and the and the show is not. 100% exact in terms of mm-hmm. the lines and everything. Yeah.
2: Actually, I guess one more follow-up question since you perform this in English, has this show been performed professionally in Thailand?
3: No. No, actually. It might be because me and my boyfriend we're thinking of, we're trying to develop a concept where we're trying to see if it would work if it's a Gay couple instead of a heterosexual couple. Hmm. We are we are trying. I mean, to I don't do see that any together. reason
2: it couldn't work. I mean, you would have to heavily rewrite it, probably. I
3: would actually have to change the name of Kathy to someone else, but we're hmm. still asking if we're allowed to do that. If, if we are, then we might develop something. We have a producer that might want to take a crack at it. So we'll, we'll see how it goes.
2: If it does develop into something that we can share, please let us know because we'll you know. Help you, help you promote it.
3: And if you guys are here, I would sh- uh, surely invite both of you guys to come see it. We'll do a fundraiser to fly us
1: out to do it.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Or a Kickstarter.
1: I think that'd be cool.
3: I think that those are all the interesting concepts and tidbits about the last five years. And Jason Robert Brown, I, I would point a-, a little detail that the show closed very prematurely because of 9-11. It opened like mm-hmm. 2002. And then after that, it really inspired Jason Robert Brown to be one of the most like pioneers of contemporary musical theater writers. And right now he has won three Tony Awards uh, from shows like um, Parade and the adaptation of The Bridges of Madison County. And he gave Ariana Grande her Broadway debut in the show called 13, there is a very, very heartbreaking version of Ariana singing the opening song of the last five years called still hurting. So if you guys want to search up, just search up Ariana Grande, still hurting and go listen to that marvelous version.
2: We will also put a link to Ariana Grande's version of still hurting in the, in the notes. So hopefully it should be
1: down there. Yep. For the recordings, like do the theater productions like ever release? like actual copies of like certain parts of it or does that decrease the value or what like like or was that like a cop like a pirated version of ariana like someone's
3: take a camera in like the um what you, you're you're asking about like the official like video of the productions right
1: yeah would they ever release that unless as like an advertisement if that makes sense like ariana grande is playing here
3: oh yeah yeah mostly there is a huge debate on this but Normally, if you rec- if the theater company wants to release a pro shot or a video performance of their shows, they have to go through a lot of details on paperwork and different unions and stuff. So it's very hard to do so. And mostly before the times, before now, before Hamilton and everything, they consider that if you want to see a live theater show, you have to go see it live. Like They feel like if they release it, they might devalue the show. So they rarely release it but for the last five years there are so many productions including the original production that jeff saw that it's like it got leaked for something but now it's on youtube you can just search it up it's not perfectly official like the theater didn't release them themselves but it it eventually got leaked and now we can go back and revisit the 2000. one and two production of the mm-hmm. last five years. But also, at the same time, I, I I was just talking to Jeff before that there are so many new productions of the last five years that were shot and intended to re- be released online as a video format. Yeah, one of it is very good. It's from out-of-the-box theater company where they revisit and restage the whole show in one apartment. And and the couple are... And both Kathy and Jamie are black and they're very, very young. Like they made very, very contemporary. Yeah, I'll I if you guys want, I will link them to you.
2: As I'm editing this, I will take a minute to look for any productions that are legally and officially available. And if there's any that are officially available for free, I will link those as well. I I don't know how many there are. I think the one that I... The one that I watched is available for free, and I don't think anyone cares that it's online. But I also don't think it was officially released that way. So I I don't know if that one is one that I can link.
3: There is one that I know that is legal because it's an official one. It's uh the new Western Revival version where there is a piano on stage and... Both of the cast has to play the piano themselves sometimes. It's on Broadway HD, which is a subscription website like Netflix, but only about Broadway shows and stuff. Yeah, I think it's still on there. I'm not sure, but it used to be released on Broadway HD if you search up the last five years.
2: I'm just going to use this opportunity to say if any representatives from Broadway HD are listening to this, feel free to sponsor us. We will put your ad in our (laughs) paranormal episode.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. It it is here. It is still on Broadway HD. Yeah.
2: Okay. So yeah. I mean, before we move on, I'll just say if you want to see this or any other Broadway content, go to Broadway HD, but actually don't do that because they're not paying us to say that yet. So uh, bug Broadway HD representatives to pay us to tell you to go watch their stuff. (laughs) So there are a couple other things I may want to ask about the show. But I think like if there's nothing else specifically that we haven't touched on pertaining just to the theater show, it might be worth it to stop here for a quick ad break and then when we come back we'll talk about the movie and we'll get really really deep into the story of this
3: yeah i think i think we covered most of the stage show already and Mm -hmm. we we, i think i think we'll be talking about the changes between the stage show and the movie once we dive down to the movie so i think i think those are enough tidbits about the show already I, i feel
2: I will say we'll be back after a very quick break from our sponsors. And this is your last spoiler warning. When we come back, we're going to be raw and uncut.
0: Hey there. If you're listening to this podcast ad, first off, you've got great taste in the podcast. Kudos to you. But secondly, you probably like movies, watching them, thinking about them, analyzing them, and reviewing them. And while the tales we see on the big screen do merit discussion, I think that's only half the story. Why do we see so many sequels instead of original films? What determines which films get sequels in the first place? Is it more the directors making a big hullaboo about seeing their films in theaters than on streaming? And beyond the obvious social good, why is making more diverse films important? The answer to all these questions and more can be found on my podcast, The Box Office Watch, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. My name's Paulo, and I'm your host. For better or worse, Hollywood is the business, and which films are profitable and which aren't uh, determines what kind of films get greenlit and which ones don't. Each week, I go over the box office charts to understand which films are on that path to profitability and which ones aren't, as well as to understand any major headlines in the movie industry that might affect those bottom lines. I help you understand industry terms like exhibitor splits, multipliers, and theater averages. And honestly, the story of how a film grew wings and flew at the box office or fumbled around and flopped can sometimes be more engrossing than the actual story on screen, in my opinion. Box Office Watch can be found on all major podcast stores, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe, and I hope to catch you there. And remember, our watch goes on.
1: back to kicking it with Kendrick. Watch the past five the last five I keep reading, the last five years both the play and the movie which we will be more specifically talking about now as always because Anna Kendrick is in it. I don't believe Anna Kendrick's in any Broadway plays at least right now
3: but not right now in the past. Yeah. she she Broadway actually got her professional debut is on a Broadway show she actually got nominated for a Tony when she was 12
2: Yeah. oh nice society oh. right?
3: Yeah, high society, yeah. Which is dope.
1: I didn't even know she was acting that long. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, the last 5 years starring Anna Kendrick and I don't know who the other guy is. Uh, Jeremy Jordan. Jeremy
3: Jordan. Jeremy uh, Jordan, one of uh performers from the stage, which is very hmm. very uh popular amongst like everyone.
2: He's got a couple of Tony wins, right?
3: Nominations. I think he is nominated yeah. for a Tony. I let me check. I think so. Yeah. He he never won a Tony. He is Tony nominated. Mm. He was nominated from a show called. He he got nominated from Newsies ah.
1: once. Newsies, yep. the Broadway musical. Yep. And a film stage version. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it seems he de- Definitely does prefer Broadway over anything movie wise.
3: He's in Supergirl. He's in he's in the TV oh. series Supergirl. He he played Win.
1: Oh, that's cool. I haven't seen Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I got so excited for a second, but I think that's cool. <laughs> was this a pleasant musical experience for everyone?
2: There's pieces of every section of this movie I kind of want to talk about. Yep. So I think that like we've summarized it spoiler-free earlier. I think as we're going through it, we'll kind of get to the different parts. Yeah. But uh, if I if I may point it out, Pierre, you you asked, is was this a pleasant musical experience for everyone? in such a way that makes me think that it probably wasn't for you. Am I correct?
1: <laughs> I mean, it wasn't terrible. I just, I found it very mediocre, I guess. I think it was kind of cool. You, met, you mentioned the X, the, the cross timeline uh, aspect of it. Um, I didn't really, I, I knew it wasn't like linear, but I, I, I guess I didn't know it was an exact crossing like that. I, I didn't think it really added anything for me to the movie um, because the plot itself, wasn't it felt very cliche and done before you know like one person's working too hard the other one's kind of jealous maybe it's because I saw La La Land it felt very kind of similar to La La Land but I felt like La La Land did it way better if that makes sense because I cared more about the characters and the actual plot where I think this was maybe relied too much on the the interesting the the narrative the the way they told the narrative uh, rather than actual like the meat of the story if that makes sense in my opinion.
3: Did you like the songs in the movie?
1: There was a couple of cool ones. I liked. I really liked it when Anna Kendrick was per auditioning for for one of the roles. Oh and yeah. the the internal monologue was what she was singing. I thought that was really cool. And I kind of liked the song where the guy was talking about trying not to cheat on Anna Kendrick. I guess ah. I thought that was kind of an intre- I thought the framing of that was kind of cool. Like the way they shot it was interesting. Um, but yeah,
3: the nothing song. catchy
1: though. Yeah, the drunk song. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I I can't I remember call, any songs the
3: that. I call it that. Um, I I I think uh, one of the rehearsals I <laughs> I I did while while I was playing the show, I actually dropped a hint of alcohol into my drink for real. I just want to be loose. I took a sip of alcohol before going on performing that song, which is a blast, like a fun fun one. Yeah.
2: I'm really glad that it it seems like you have a very different opinion of this movie than I do, Pierre, which I'm really glad about because earlier on, Ben, you mentioned the way that this this play is structured. Everyone comes out of it thinking something very different. And, you know, clearly, I think the three of us are going to be living proof of that because I had a very different opinion of this than Pierre. And I feel like I probably have a very different opinion of it than you, too. I really liked this movie. I thought that the play when I watched it was better than the movie. I think that the movie made some choices that I'm not going to say were necessarily bad, but didn't add anything and didn't detract much, but detracted just enough that it, you know, you notice, but what you were saying, Pierre, about this being like a fairly cliched story, I think that's true. But for me, the device around it and the way that that story was told For me, that did make this interesting enough that I was very invested because uh, I think if the characters, the characters had a lot of depth, if they were also like, if the story was also very strange on top of that, I think that I maybe wouldn't have been able to follow it because I'm a stupid person. But like, I thought the storytelling device for this really helps the way the story is told. I mean, it's literally the way the story is told. So I guess of course it does. But, for example, in, like, a normal musical... Not a normal musical. When I'm going into a musical, there's a couple of things that I would expect or at least, like, wouldn't not expect, I guess. Like, looking back at Into the Woods, Into the Woods starts on a really big number that isn't necessarily hopeful, but it is, like, a bunch of stuff is about to happen. This is where we are at the outset of our journey, and we want to get you hyped for the rest of the musical. And it goes on for, like, ten minutes, and it talks about... And like, it's, it's a big pump up number that sets the scene for everyone. And the way that Into the Woods ends is on a more somber number that's a little, that's hopeful, but like, clearly it's also maybe not the lowest point in these characters story arcs, but it's, it's a lower point. Like if we're on a roller coaster, like the the top is somewhere near the beginning, at least by comparison to the end. We're not at the deepest point in there in everyone's arc, but like it's more somber. And like with the the last five years, it starts on that somber note, which I'm immediately not expecting. Like the very first thing that we see is Anna Kendrick is sad because her relationship has has failed after however many years, I guess five. Yep. So now that I've seen this, the next thing I'm expecting is, okay, we're going to go back to the beginning. And then, because it's it's possible to start a movie in media res. I've seen that plenty of times. So after we've started in media res, well, I'm guessing now we're going to go back to the beginning. It's going to be a record scratch moment. It's like, uh uh-oh, I'll bet you're wondering how I got here. And now the rest of the movie will build up back to that moment. But it doesn't. Instead, it's got that X-shaped structure. And then at the very end, we actually end on the big peppy setting the scene number. But it hits very differently because we have all the context of what happens after that, even though the beginning is coming at the very end. And I thought that, like, the way that that's told was just so interesting and made all of the songs work even more just because they're working in such unconventional ways that I just really love this, mu- this musical.
3: This is actually amazing because I feel like I based on what you are saying, Jeff, I feel like you love this musical or, or or the movie version because of the structure of the way they tell the story and the details in the song, but not necessarily mm-hmm. the movie making part of it. If 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 I make sense, you know?
2: Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Did you want to elaborate on that? Or do you want me to talk more about that? Yeah, yeah, Uh,
3: because I feel like for me, when I watched the last five years, you are not you're not coming to see a well-balanced story. Like, you know, the story is not trying to say that who's right or who's wrong. Like every time you hear a performance or you're in a scene with them doing the solo, it's purely their point of view. And then it's another person's point of view. It all goes back and forth. And Mm -hmm. this is because the way the original version is staged is that there's only one person talking and the other person is either like in the darkness as a reactionary person or like not on stage at all. But whereas one of the biggest change they make in the movie and the director, Richard LaGravines, who did PS I Love You, said that one of the biggest change he saw was that he changed the song so that the characters sing to each other which i feel like that's a weird concept because it feels like it balances out the scales for for the relationship whereas you don't want that balance of scales you want like purely one side and another side and it all goes back and forth all the time like that that i think that's the charm and that's the the concept of the last 5 years you're there to listen to two people pleading their case mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and that made the movie like for me, I felt like the movie wasn't bad, but it was just like a social adaptation of it. Like, And, and it, it, it just comes back to like, maybe this movie might be better if we get like, like a pro shot, like an official pro shot of the musical mm-hmm. instead of a movie adaptation.
2: Well, actually, on that note, I'm interested because I think that knowing the play as well as you do, you will have a very different perspective on this, Ben. Yep. Pierre. If there was a villain in the relationship, if one person was in the right and one person was in the wrong, for example, who do you think or was the main reason that the relationship fell apart? Or if there isn't a clear answer, go
1: ahead. Um, It's actually a good question. I think they did a pretty good job of humanizing both of them, despite the fact that the male character (laughs) I can't remember, what's his name? Jamie. Uh, Jamie. Jamie. Jamie was cheating, right? So like I think there's like stereotypically, I think there's like a huge leer of blaming him just because I think that's like a pretty bad thing to do. But I also think that song with him is generally kind of like interesting and in ex- explaining his mindset of it. Like, it, again, doesn't make it right, but I think like it, it made me empathize with him, if that makes sense, where he's saying, because he's successful. I kind of remind me of Marriage Story a bit uh, where he's like, I wish that every other girl could just look like someone else. Like it was like someone he 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 wished every other girl would look like some some actor, some it was like a a reference he said but...
2: Mr. Ed which is a horse.
1: Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> he wa- he wished every other woman could look like a horse so that it would be easier to stay committed to his his vows, I guess. So it's like you understand it's there but it's just like he's in a the his position in life makes it really tough for him to lure off the temptation i guess and again that that reminded me a lot of marriage story which i where another movie where i think they did a really good job of not really making anyone the bad guy even though you could argue some someone did the worst things if that makes sense
2: mm-hmm. So yeah
1: i don't know did do, do, do either of you think uh like ben do you have a, a bad guy in this someone you prefer
3: this is going to hit v- a bit no not a bit very very personal because I used to be a Jamie in 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 my relationship like mm. th- there is a song remember there's a song called nobody needs to know which is the, right in the end where he actually cheated on Kathy and he's trying to explain their case on why he's cheating yeah like that song hits so close to home because it's actually my own experience on that so and as an actor when you when you perform these kind of roles you know that the thing they did was outright bad and there's no redeemable quality to it. But at the same time, you have to be able to empathize with that character in order to play them convincingly. So I I feel like the show does a great way to tell you that there is actually no bad guy in this story, even though that Jamie did a terrible, terrible thing of cheating on Kathy. But at the same time, yeah, it presents you with both cases and it feels like the knives have been like out by both of them at certain points in their relationship you know in in like mm-hmm. in in the whole five years of the relationship so i feel like i feel like it's going to be hard to pick and i feel like in relationships in real life a lot of times when it doesn't work I and mean, when it falls apart or when it does work it's it comes from the, both parties not just one mm. like mm. yeah that's why i feel like <laughs> this question will hit a little bit close to personal for me that that's fine though it's a long time ago but yeah i i I feel like i do empathize with jamie so much not only because i've been him but i think because that the writing in the show really really is detailed enough for you to understand his point of view you don't have to agree with that but you do understand him
2: those are slightly different (laughs) slightly different answers than I was expecting way deeper answers than I was expecting. So thank you guys. Um, What about
3: your thoughts? What about your thoughts? Um, Jeff?
2: Well, I, I brought up that question because I think that the movie especially really sides against Jamie. My personal thoughts would be that I think that the, I think the play is written as nuanced, basically, as you said, but I, I certainly come out of it disliking Jamie more than I dislike Kathy. But I think that the movie makes Jamie worse. And I think that the way that his songs are staged make him seem like a little less redeemable than in the show. And I I don't fully know how to explain that. The Cheating Song, I think, seems more... in, In the show, it seems more like inner monologue than in the movie... And I think that might just be a that might just be a function of the show seeming in just in general, more like an inner monologue.
3: I, I feel like that song in specific has one of the most heartbreaking ending because uh, it ends with like uh, he said that since I have to be in love with someone, since I need to be in love with someone, maybe I could be in love with someone like you. So I, I feel like he's the, uh, the, the, the show is trying to paint Jamie as this person who actually does not know what actual love is, you know?
2: Actually, since you say that, there's another line that really, really stuck with me from the show. It was when Jamie is comforting Kathy and saying that he'll always believe in her. There's a line where he says, I'm probably paraphrasing here because I don't remember it verbatim. But it's, if I didn't believe in you, I never would have loved you, which to me, that really stuck with me, because my thought is, well, if you two really love each other, then realistically, the make or break shouldn't be whether you believe in her career, should it? So I think that's exactly what you're, you're exactly right what you're saying. He's just someone who doesn't really understand what love is. And I'm not going to say I necessarily do either. But like, clearly the ways that he's trying to express himself keep kind of not working in my opinion
3: that song oh my god i actually like felt so bad like at in the moment that song is like as i say i have when when you perform you have two modes you have the performer mode where you you mm-hmm. you are you and you have the actress mode i feel like when, when i perform that song i feel like the, my first rehearsal when i finished it i i did say sorry to the to the girl who played kathy so much because there's a line he says i will not lose because you can't win like it's such a cruel thing for a person to say to a loved one like at Mm -hmm. that point you know like it's it's so harsh i felt like every time i and, and you see that the music changes key and he's like trying to restructure the the narrative again like if i didn't believe in you and then the whole thing you know it's like it's yeah i i feel like the way he expresses to kathy that he says he loves her i think there's something wrong with his understanding of how he's he he actually has what what he has to do in the relationship
2: that might be in my opinion like the best thing about these songs is i think that at least in the character perspective When he's singing that, it all comes across as someone who isn't trying to be intentionally cruel and keeps realizing that he's saying the wrong thing, but in a realistic way. Like, he's never, you know, he never explicitly has the lyrics like, oh, sorry, let me take that back or anything. And all of his, everything that he says that is so cruel isn't coming from a place of cruelty. It's coming from, well, it's coming from a place of exasperation. And like, Kathy has the same kind of songs because I think her second song where they're on the lake, like, she gets really mad at Jamie and she says a lot of things that she probably shouldn't have said. Yeah. But none of those things come from a place of like, I mean, they all come from a place of trying to hurt him, but not trying to hurt him because she's trying to be deliberately mean. It's because she's tired. And I think this play as well is really good at, just making songs like that it's really good lyrics
3: yeah 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 i agree and we all have that in our lives at some point in a relationship right yeah (laughs) that that we say some mean things that it comes from the heat of the moment one thing that i would like to point out and this comes from what pierre was saying about marriage story if you can remember marriage story there is a Remember the first Scarlett Johansson monologue with Laura Dern about about the Adam Driver's character when he describes when she describes like how she did like fall out of love for him. Remember, I uh where where he says like oh he's so sweet he's such a great director or whatever. It feels like that's <laughs> Noah Baumbach writing the female character to compliment him in real life it feels a little bit like that in moving too fast in jason in in the last five years too where jason robert brown is writing the male character song but it's just him complimenting himself about his success (laughs) or whatever it brings me back to that scene like oh okay you got scarlett johansson to say that you are a very good director in your own movie i'm like okay that's like i guess like you're the writer you can do it do anything you want (laughs) that that brings me just to point it out in 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 the last five years because there's some of that in this this show as well
1: yeah well i think that that's probably what bothers me is that like i I feel like i can compare this to a lot of movies and i just feel like the other movies have done it better if that makes sense i understand yeah like marriage like you said marriage story and la la land in some ways like are amazing movies where So I think this was like, just kind of, it it came in with bad odds for me, I guess, unfortunately. But yeah.
2: It's also, I think a lot of this show too, especially in the movie, uh, maybe less so in the stage show, but especially in the movie, a lot of this is kind of sold on the gimmick. And like, if you're not in love with the gimmick right away, then all you have to fall back on is the story. And if the story doesn't work because it's something you've seen before, then, well, the gimmick's not going to help.
3: Yeah, that's why the good thing about the last five years is that you you get the gimmick for like the first two songs and oh, everything crosses over. But then it's the nuance of the story that will actually take it to the next level, whether you like it or not. And I don't think the movie is staged for you to listen to these nuances,
2: you know? I think that the staging of the movie is very strange. Yeah. Like, uh, Pierre, you will have noticed that in this, like, when they're doing their songs, it's usually only one person singing, but they're like mm-hmm. singing to the other person, or mm-hmm. usually not not exclusively, but usually they're singing to the other person, which or I think, about. <clears throat> yeah which I think kind of detracts a little bit because in the stage show, they may be singing to the other person, but that person is off stage. So really this is just a monologue. And Mm -hmm. um, where I noticed this the most is in the song, the next 10 minutes, which is, uh, I mean, I said there's going to be spoilers. It's where they get married. In the stage version of that, that starts with uh, Jamie on a boat going to basically the island in the middle of the stage where they're going to get married. And he's having half of a conversation because he's the only person on stage. Yeah. They get to the island. They get married. They have a very, very brief duet. And then it ends with Kathy leaving in a boat and having the other half of the conversation because this is now before the marriage because she's going backwards. And like, you don't get that in the movie. In the movie, you get the next 10 minutes as a music video which is nice. It's a nice song. But like for me on stage, that worked so well because if you haven't understood the timeline by now, it illustrates it for you and like lays it out for dummies. And not only that, it also does it in a really cool way where like you get both halves of the conversation. They just bookend the entire song. And in the movie, uh, it's another song.
3: That That is like my huge huge um disservice of the movie because the next 10 minutes should not be just a nice song the next Mm. 10 minutes is a very important song in so many levels it works as a proposal song a vow song and it also works a big 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 way in in the structure of the show so that this is i love that you said it's it's a music video because i felt like the last five years movie is like 14 music videos put together yeah, not not necessarily yeah, a movie, you know? It's like 14 music videos. And, and my boyfriend, who adores this musical by heart, um, he designed the show when we did it. He hated it. He's like, what is this shit? <laughs> He's like, what is this? When
1: you say oh, 14 he- music videos, I feel like it would have been interesting if they more uh, precisely divided them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like almost like a Tarantino movie, maybe. Just like cl- clarifying, like, this is its own thing. Uh, before each scene, I think that might have been maybe a little more interesting and drew me in more. I think with that, and then if they like kind of tighten like the themes and like, I guess goal of each section of it, of the movie, I think that might have been interesting.
3: You know, you actually have inspired because one of the notes Jeff wrote is that even with its fault, he couldn't seem to know like how to do it better. But I think now I have an idea of how to do it better. I feel like It's the last five years, right? Five years. I feel like if we divided the whole songs into five, it can actually be a very good miniseries.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool, actually.
3: Like five episodes. Year one, year two, year four, year five. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, because some of the the themes in each of the songs are pretty deep, right? But I feel like it doesn't get enough time to really maybe get into into the complex emotions of them all. Because like you said, they're presenting a case each time, right? it's very hard to like fully grasp it in in the span of like however many minutes each song gets
2: and beyond that too i think this suffers from a little bit of the same problem as into the woods Uh, in in a slightly different way but the same kind of problem in into the woods uh as we were talking about last week the writer of the musical stondheim in that case wants you to like really focus in on the lyrics and take in the themes of this musical but it's a little hard when Into the Woods is developed as a really big, flashy movie with big set pieces and magic and all sorts of makeup and everything, where like you're focused on everything but the lyrics, it's hard to focus on the lyrics. And here, I think that like the nuances that you're mentioning, they're a little less pronounced in the movie, but they are there if this movie didn't go out of its way to be as loud as 14 music videos. Like a Goddess, even. It's literally just two people interacting, but it's such a busy scene. There's so much going on. Jeremy yes. Jordan is dancing all over the place. Yes. Anna Kendrick is there. She's, you know, dressed up in lingerie. It's drawing your eye all over the place and you're not actually listening to the lyrics, or at least it's very difficult to do so.
3: Yeah. You, you you are definitely right on that. Like if, if they just focus on like minimum action and just let the lyrics play, I think mm-hmm. I, this might be uh, the biggest thing I have with movie musicals. They feel like they have to think of more actions so that it complements the music. One of the muse, movie musicals recently that actually does this very well is Tick, Tick, Boom. And when you guys have watched this, we can talk about this later, but Tick Tick Boom has a very clear sense of when to add more action and when just to stay still. Yeah.
2: Not to digress too, too much, but in Tick Tick Boom, my favorite song, and that is, uh, it's literally just stolen from a Stephen Sondheim musical. They stage the song Sunday, which uh, I believe is just the song Sunday from no, Sunday no, no. in the Park with George. No,
3: it's actually a parody of Sunday. He's, okay. he, he flips the whole melody and rewrites the lyrics in a diner but it's inspired by Sunday, which is funny.
2: Very heavily inspired by it. And that song is the most cinematic song in the movie, but it's also so down to earth and small in certain ways. Like everyone is doing very minimal movements. They're only moving as much as they need to. Only people are singing who need to be singing. Everything is so very tightly choreographed. No one is doing too much excessive stuff. And then at the very end, they're in a giant set piece, and it's really funny. Anyway, that's just in Tick, Tick, Boom.
1: I can't wait for you to see it, Pierre. I am now excited to see it. <laughs> this has been um, an advertisement for Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe
2: uh, maybe we'll be able to talk about Tick, Tick, Boom here sometime soon, and maybe maybe we can get Ben on again for that, if, oh if it works out.
3: Oh my God, I would love that.
2: Not really to wrap us up here. I hope this isn't to wrap us up here, but...
3: Uh, we have to talk about Anna Kendrick in the movie. Well,
2: that's exactly what mm-hmm. I was going to say. I'm we got to talk about Kathy. What do yep. you guys think about Kathy in this? Or I guess Anna I, Kendrick in this. The, I the character, was personally the
1: actor. not too big of a fan, I guess. I don't think she... I mean, again, this is, I feel like this This was like the exact same role that Emma Stone had in La La Land. Quite Almost quite literally, like... Except she fails, I guess, whereas Emma Stone succeeds. Um, and I don't know. I just I never really fell like in love with the character, and I I didn't really feel that much chemistry between her and and Jamie in the movie. So I don't know. I mean, she sang well, and I think Anna Kendrick did her thing, but I wasn't really wowed by her in any way.
3: Which is very interesting because about the singing-wise of Anna Kendrick in this movie that I can point out is that one of the highlights for the last five years is how crazy the score is. Like, if you watch five actresses playing Kathy, you get five vocal performances from them. Like, the music is so open that you can add riffs and you can actually play with the way how it is sung, you know? But Anna Kendrick, she said that she... One of the musicals that she loved for her whole life, like her utmost favorite musical, is Jason Robert Brown's other musical called Parade. But she never knows, and she has never listened to the last five years prior before she got offered the role. So if you look at the sheet music of the last five years, like how it is written, she sang it pitch perfect. Like pitch perfect, I mean like no embellishments, no crazy riffs no because everybody would have a signature riff in a lot of songs especially in the song called a summer in ohio like mm-hmm. when you when when you go see the last five years that's the highlight like oh i wonder what this actress would do in this song you know but anna kendrick for the whole show she did it right on the page as i say pitch perfect she did not change anything even if she had the freedom to because she was working with jrb with this one but she didn't did she did not change anything she just sang it straightforwardly and that might be the case in in a way like she did the role it was just standard but not things so amazing or anything which is weird because there are so many ways you can make that role so unique and special based on the songs and the lyrics yeah
2: mm-hmm. well i guess i feel bad now saying that i really liked her but no no, <laughs> no, no that no, is that's, good I don't know. I don't feel bad. But like, as you're pointing that out, I think that she did this role very well. Like she, she she has a great voice. And I think that she sung the songs really well. I wish to a degree I was more familiar with this musical, although maybe I wouldn't have enjoyed the movie quite as much if I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she didn't embellish anything. But I thought that she did really, she acted out Kathy very well. But it's it's interesting that you say it's pitch perfect because Kathy's you know, Anna Kendrick brought emotion to it. I mean, maybe not as much or maybe a different amount than a lot of other actresses do, but I thought that she um like the the song that I think I talked about earlier where um she's I forget what it's called right now. I think it's, it's her see, second song.
3: See I'm smiling, I think. Is it the the one at the pier? Oh, it's CM smiling. Yeah.
2: yeah. See, I'm smiling. There's a lot of emotion in that song. I mean, she definitely acted it very well the way it was written, but it's in- it's just interesting to hear that like she didn't improvise as much as she potentially could. Have. It's it's
3: not a bad thing though. Actually singing r- what's on the page is actually a good thing. It's just that because of the nature of the last 5 years, mm-hmm. we ca- I I the author are like a, a bit against it in the, in the way that mm, I wonder like what Anna Kendrick would do, like what, what what unexpected thing that we would see. But then she did the emotions so well, but mm-hmm. it's just that maybe it needed like a, a, an extra flavor to it. I, I don't know. I can point this out that 11 of the 14 songs that you hear in the movie was sung live on set, which huge credit because singing live on set is not an easy thing to do. Case in point, mm-hmm. Russell Crowe in Les Miserables. no. No, no, no.
2: Which they point out in the movie.
3: <laughs> so cheeky. I love it. And also, Anna Kendrick sang Still Hurting, the first number of the movie, 17 times on set.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that sounds impressive, but I guess that means she didn't nail it the first 16 times?
3: No, 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 no. I, I don't know why it's 17 times. I think it's because of the camera setup or whatever. I, I don't know. but it, Yeah, it, that's true, one actually. Of the, one of the trivia was that she sang 17 times, but if she actually sang it for real... Because Still Hurting is not uh, an easy song to sing uh, with all the high notes and the emotions. But singing 17 times is a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Yeah.
2: I guess what I wanted to ask then, we've done this with every episode so far, where would you place this uh, in relation to her other movies? In terms of, like, where would you place this as a movie? And where would you place her performance in relation to other Anna Kendrick performances? You know, I think last time we had Pierre go first, but uh, Ben, you're our first repeat guest. Why don't you go first this time?
3: Uh, I would say among the musicals, I think I would put this lower than Into the Woods. Even though Into the Woods, she has less screen time, but I think, mm-hmm. I think at, we see her other side more, which is weird because she gets to do less, but we see more of her. So I put that mm-hmm. less, but among the other movies, like her normal movies, it's, way 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 lower
2: fair enough for me i'd
1: say uh it's it's just like kind of smack in the middle for like movie uh, actually movie and anna kendrick wise i might put it you're right, a little lower than into the woods honestly at least into the woods had like i think some interesting mm, not plot maybe like <laughs> <laughs> it had something this is something interesting about it. i can't remember what exactly but I guess maybe the setting was in- more interesting than this. So that might be why I'm, I'm putting it above. But um, yeah, I-, I think in both performances, Anna Kendrick wise, she was given a decently big role, but couldn't quite deliver enough or more than I was expecting. But she was fine.
3: Do you think it's her side or do you think it's the director that can pull out a better performance from her peer?
1: I'd say this is. I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to blame the actor or actress for, like, a bad performance necessarily. I just think, like, I think this is probably di- the director's fault. But also, I, I didn't see Anna Kendrick bringing anything to it that, that could really save the performance. But, I mean, that's I feel like that's the the difference between, like, a good actor and a great actor or an amazing actor is whether they are able to come out ahead despite the director, if that makes sense.
2: I uh, actually have a question before I answer this, which is, did Jeremy Jordan sing like Pitch Perfect as well to the script?
3: No. Jeremy Jordan is the guy who never be afraid to show off his high notes. If you can see a lot of his songs, he will go to the higher option because he has such a great voice and his voice is very high. So in a lot of songs, he will just like shoot up to the sky. And it, it, a lot in a lot of places, especially in like moving too fast or whatever, he sang it even higher than what is written on the score.
2: Okay. Yeah. See, because um, I think that this movie suffers most, if anything, from a lack of interesting direction. I, I know we've talked about it before the show. We may have talked about it on the show. I'm blanking right now. But like, I feel like the director for this movie made the choices that he needed to to get it on screen, but no other choices. Like, he didn't do very much interesting with it. He could have probably brought it to the screen in different ways that I'm not thinking of. But like, it seems to me like he made the bare minimum choices he needed to to make this a pretty all right movie. And he did that. I really do wonder if one of those choices may have been since Anna Kendrick has not done that many musicals, I wonder if she was more or less directed to sing as close to the score as possible because um, I know that she wouldn't have had to, but like someone like Jeremy Jordan, he's got a lot of experience on Broadway and like he's, you know, he'll, he'll go for it. Someone like Anna Kendrick has some experience in musicals, but like, you know, she's she's not necessarily an accomplished Broadway actress. So if a director were, say, really devoted to making what he thought would be the definitive template for the next five years or for the last five years going forward, maybe he would have said, well, sing this exactly as it's written. And she just may not have questioned it. That's me putting a lot of blame on one person who may or may not deserve it. But I wonder how much of that was her and how much was the direction.
3: I don't think it's it's her getting directed as like that. Because in, in a musical theater sense, as a performer wise, you are required to learn the song as mm. it's written, you know. And especially Jason Robert Brown's score, they are very detailed. So even if you sing it right with the page, like what's written on the page with no embellishments, you'll be fine. But I it's just that the added value of the last five years, which is a bad thing for the audience not for the performers that we are used to hearing these amazing performers sing their face off in a summer in Ohio or I can do better than that but they will go to a high riff and the audience will be ruptured with joy you know Mm -hmm. so and and so and when we get an actress as big as Anna Kendrick people I was like okay I want to know what she would bring singing wise the role and then she sang it pitch perfect Mm -hmm very well but just like okay straight out from the page so it might be us having too much expectations for her not her fault or not the director's fault anyways yeah if that answers your question
2: i i think it does yeah i think that i also benefit a lot from i have now seen a version of this staged that's not the movie. So I can come at it from that. But judging this movie initially, I wasn't judging it really as an adaptation. I was just judging it as my first time seeing this show. And I really like it. So I think that like the writing of this show and the way that it plays out, including the story device and everything, are probably the main reason that I put this as very like high mid-tier in the Anna Kendrick movies we've watched so far. In terms of Anna Kendrick's performance, I also put it high mid-tier. Again, like, I come at it with the advantage, I guess, of not judging this as an adaptation, but, I mean, I thought she knocked it out of the park and I really liked this movie. So I'm definitely going to put it up there. I would say probably, like, definitely top five uh, in, in both for me so far.
3: That's great. Yeah, I'm actually happy because the more I can praise and send over the last five years to a new person, I think I've succeeded my life as a musical theater fan. So I'm glad that you liked it, Jeff.
2: And I am really glad that you have so much to say about it. Thank you so much for coming on the episode to talk about the last five years. I really do not think that we could have gotten someone like a better guest for the last five years.
3: Oh, my God. It's such a pleasure. I can talk about this show all day, all night. If you have three days for me to talk about this show, I I would probably can.
2: <laughs> well, we don't have three days where we're recording, but like I am definitely going to try and uh, if I get the time, I'm going to try and watch one or two more stagings of this because I was I was blown away by the by this show. And I've now seen it three times. I've seen the movie twice and I saw the stage version once. And I immediately looked to see if it's ever going to be playing in Toronto. Not soon, so I don't know. But this is—I I really like this. So before we before we head out, where can people find more of you? If and are you working on anything right now, Ben?
3: I just finished uh, working on a piece about West Side Story, the new movie, which is very very exciting. I haven't seen the movie. But based on what I have, the materials I got sent to do, the content, yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting adaptation. And so I've been doing that. I I would love to point you guys, everyone, to all my stuff, which I will, but it's going to be in Thai. Uh, It's going to be in my language. So I'm thinking of writing in English more next year. So we'll see. So right now, I am currently writing for this musical theater page called The Show Hopper. So if there's any Thai listeners there, you, you, you would probably know where to find me in, that, in the name of Broadway Boy in that uh, musical theater uh, performing arts page. And yeah, I think that's what I do. Like that is prominent enough for me to promote. I'm, and, and when I have anything more, I will surely be linking to you guys.
2: Thank you. And of course, we will link to all of that in the uh, show notes below. So, Pierre, coming off of musicals, we're actually going to do two more musicals, but uh, they are not in the planned out section. Like, when I planned this out, a little behind the scenes, I had an entire section for musicals. This is the end of the section for musicals, but there's actually two more musicals that we're going to do next in the next episode. Can you guess what they are, Pierre? It's going to be the first time we've ever talked about a movie we've already talked about.
1: That's a good question. (laughs) I don't know.
2: On the next episode, Pierre and I will talk about not just Trolls World Tour for the second time, we're also going to talk about Trolls.
1: Oh, how could I not have predicted that? (laughs)